Dr. Ron B. Smith Jr., welcome to Frontside. <laughs> that is awesome. And as you said, like, is that why you were asking me what my the material of my right. desk yeah. was? Yeah. Awesome. For sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so you're back with us. Welcome to episode two of Frontside. Who's in the room? Uh, in the room once again with us is Jacob Miller. Say hey-o. hey all right, Jacob is a young dad um, with of a young son, and love that, love that. I, I, I want to come back and say something about that in just a moment. I hope I don't forget. But, um, man, newly married, uh, new dad, uh, still smells like a, the new car smell. Little Benjamin is almost five weeks. Yeah. Wow. Wow, five weeks already. New baby smell. New baby smell. Yeah, five weeks, right? I told him the other day, I said, man, start saving for a car now. <laughs> Right? If it happens fast, doesn't it, Rodney? All right. And in the room with us is Rodney Kilborn. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, you also have kiddos, two boys and a girl. Um, so this is an awesome podcast for you because um, you're right in the thick of it, man. Your little ones are little ones. They are primed age. All over it. All over it. Um, yes, sir. So again, in the room is a new dad. Um, in the room is uh, a dad that's been a dad for a little while, and Rodney. In in the room is a another dad, myself, and now a granddad. And so we are going to talk about this today, guys. Here we are, episode two, continuing why front sight. What is front sight? And we looked at Second Timothy chapter two. We're learning what it means to become good soldiers of Christ. How to literally. Take aim at life, dial it in. And today we're looking at this, what is a man of war? And we're not talking about the thing on the beach that stings, that hurts, right? We're talking about <laughs> uh, what are, how does the Bible describe a good soldier? Um, and I love that terminology. All right, so whenever I use that terminology, um, when I was in college, I actually started a thing called um, CAPS, Collegiate Army of Prayer Soldiers, mm -hmm. and recruited 300 guys. I was BSU president, recruited 300 guys across the state uh, of North Carolina um, early on. And I got this letter from this female, and she was involved in BSU and at another campus. And she says, I am utterly detested. It's grossed out at your, at your use of soldier language, blah, blah, blah. How right? dare you? How dare, right? And I said, have you not read, like, the Bible? Like, because the New Testament, and this was one of the verses that we used. And so every time I hear that, you know, you, you think, are, are we really called to be soldiers? Absolutely, men are called to be soldiers. We are at war, guys, and I'm not talking about with Ukraine. I'm not talking about with Russia. I'm not talking about with fuel prices or anything like that. I'm talking about we are in a spiritual warfare, and right now the enemy is seeking to come after Dads. If he can get dads, if he can get men, um, if he mm -hmm. he can ruin your marriage, he can ruin your house, um, he can ruin your your families. Now, here's what I wanted to come back to. We're not even into the podcast yet, really. But here's what I wanted to come back to. In our church alone, we've had 
more boys born recently than girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, just a few years ago, we had more girls than boys, and then a few years before that, I think it was like thirty-two kids born, kind of a thing. And it was a it was a neat balance. I think that was like two thousand. Uh, 15 or something like that, which is why we redid the entire footprint of the children's ministry um, building over there because of the nursery space that was needed. Here's the point I want to come back to. Ronnie, maybe you can help me because you're a big statistics guy. How do we find out how many boys, are there more boys being born now than ever? Because it's not just here in our church that I'm, I'm here. It's like I have friends in Texas. I have friends across the country that everybody's having a boy. And I say that for a reason. I think God's doing something here, and I think yeah. now's the time. Like I'm watching Jacob and Benjamin, and and he and Rayleigh are pouring right now into that young man. Well, the culture that he's going to be a part of is is probably going to digress a little bit than what it is now. My point is the need for for men of war. Yeah, the need for strong, godly, biblical men, and it starts with little. One week old little boy. So I don't know how we find that out if we can find that out. But, Probably could, you know. But that'd be interesting to see. Like, and and we start aiming uh, aiming our podcast obviously at these young dads and current dads and granddads uh, because some um, there are a lot of granddad granddads that are having to become fathers again. Hmm. Um, you know, reparent if you will. So here's what we're talking about: man of war. Today, I hope to discover the one thing. Every soldier needs that. That is the, and you're you're probably going to be surprised at that. What that one thing is. I know right now you're going, oh, it's the M19. It's the, it's the. <laughs> it's, everyone has to have an M1A1 Garand. You know, right? All right, you're you're listing off like K bars. Um, oh no, that's not it, Pastor Ron. You got to have four months food supply. Like, like what is the one thing? Oh, you're probably going to be surprised at what. That is. So now that we're, we're sort of new to this, right, I want to keep reminding us what front sight is and what is the hope of front sight. Here is the hope of front sight that men would discover biblical manhood, hmm. that they would reclaim their role, lead themselves, lead their wives, lead their families, and influence culture. So here's what I know the search for men who are full of faith, full of wisdom, and full of spirit, is getting harder. Yeah. Just within the church, when we start to look for what we call deacons in our church, and even men to teach, not host, mm. um, but, but men to be life group leaders, not just open up their home and let their wife take over and, and lead the group, but for men to be teachers, okay, Somebody said this a while back, and I believe this. Any man can do what other men do. Rare is the man who can do what is right. Mm. And in a sense, that's kind of what we're going for, right? So we pray. Our prayer is that front sight grows and reaches the masses. Oh, oh, it'll be awesome if we came in here um, and learned that we've got X amount of blah, blah, thousand followers. I mean, you know, that would speak well to the ego, I guess, to say, wow, look at how many men. But, but to be honest, and you guys know this. And we're still sort of working this out early on in the early days. Um, I, I kind of wanted this to go private. I didn't really want this to to be out to the masses yeah. yet, right? And we're we're still working through it. And here's why: I wanted this to be a uh, the few, the proud kind of thing. Like, in other words, I wanted this to be enlist if you've got the guts. 
Mm-hmm. Like, don't just listen to this podcast and do nothing with it mm-hmm. and go home and still yell at your wife, mm-hmm. kick the dog, go home and steal from your company, you know, go to work and steal from your company and mm-hmm. and sneak on and look on pornography on your phone when kids when your kids go to bed. No, 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 no. Hey, enlist if you got the guts. If you're really committed to being a man of God who's ready to go to war, war for himself, war for his wife, go to war for his children, go to war to protect his house, sign up. Uh, kind of, you know, like only the serious need to apply. Here's what we're looking for. We want men who are committed, committed to changing habits, committed to giving up conveniences, and committed to taking up arms, literally arms of courage, arms of study, arms of prayer, worship, arms of serving, and humility. I Here's, here's what's down deep inside of me. I want to develop men who walk into a room, and the room feels a difference when he walks in, mm-hmm. not because of his title, not because of his outfit, but when you walk into that room and there's guys goofing off at the water cooler at work, people know like, oh, like the environment just changed. Not like this, you know, Johnny Good Shoes kind of a deal, Goody Two Shoes kind of a thing. That's what I was trying to say. You know, Goody Two Shoes kind. Of, no, they just know that you're a such strong character that they they need to change when they're in your presence versus you need to change when you're in their presence. Mm. No, 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 no. Mm. I want a dad who walks into the room and the enemy runs. Because a man of God just walked in. I want a husband who walks into the room and the wife feels at peace, mm. secure, loved when he walks in. I don't want a man, when he walks into the room, the wife is like, oh gosh, what kind of a mood is he in today? How's he going to respond? Is he going to be angry? Did I Do I have to watch what I say? No, no, no. I want a husband who walks into the room and the wife feels at peace. I want a church that is full of godly men, godly men that the church has no problem picking out from the crowd. Think about that. Go back to Acts chapter 6 for just a moment. The church was so new, they don't have the knowledge that you and I have now, but it didn't take them long to pick out seven men that were like, oh, these guys have it, mm-hmm. right? I That's what I want. All right, so let's... Let's let's do this. Let's let's maybe bring you guys in and get some perspective here, and hopefully allow have that perspective help us understand where we're headed. So Rodney and Jacob, when when you guys think about being a man, I don't know. Go back to when you were five, nine, eight. You, you idolized a grandfather. You. Um, you know, you saw some things in a father. Maybe you saw some things in other men. Maybe, maybe things that you watched on TV. Jacob, you probably didn't do this, but Rodney, when you and I watched Clint Eastwood, you know, in westerns, or you know, go back at whatever age, and or even now, like even now, when you look at certain qualities or men, and, and you look at yourself, when you think about being a man, what does that look? like to you? What are your thoughts, and and how, how do you even get there? Um, so, Jacob, man, I hate to do it. We're going to start out with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Um, I mean, when I was younger, I probably had a different different like idea of what I thought a man was. Like, it, he was, like, strong. He was confident. I mean, I still think those are good qualities, but strong, confident, and just, like, you know, memorable. He's, like, the leader he's the one mm. to take charge um but i mean now i i definitely have the mindset of like okay he's he's spiritually mature he's able to lead a family he's able mm. to just 
be able to um, sense God's movement and his voice and in, in different interactions. But that's definitely like the sum of it, but there's a lot more to it. But that's for sure. Wow. And now there was a lot said there, right? The first one was more physical attributes, yeah. Um, which he has to have, as you said. But now that you're um, not just married, but I'm, I'm sure as you were preparing to be married, and now that you're married, and now that you've got a son, yeah, now you understand the environment of the house rather than just like the physical aspects of a house. Yeah. There was a lot there. That was awesome. I even to add on to that even more, like he's able to also just you know, stay cool under pressure and yeah. be able to just guide the family and, um, and yeah. guide yeah. where things should go. So. Yes, yes. Our wives look for that. They want it. Rodney, how about you? When you think about being a man and impressions you had all through your life, what does that look like? Well, for me, it, you know, I, 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 I had two strong male role models in my family. And one was my grandfather and uh, my dad's father. And one was my, uh, my own dad. And, you know, I kind of looked up to my dad, my dad's kind of my hero. Wow. And, uh, <clears throat> my grandfather, uh, interesting. He wasn't a, he wasn't a ta- very talkative person. He was a 30, you know, 32 year Marine Corps veteran, three war veteran. Wow. Uh, worked at the, you know, the, assistant city manager at Coral Gables and but you know he didn't speak much but when he did speak everybody listened because he had something to say uh which is the complete opposite of me uh (laughs) but my dad on the other hand um you know when I think of my dad I think of righteous not not perfect but you know there wasn't you know when I looked at him, this is how I wanted to grow up and be. He, he was a provider. He, you know, he stepped into the fray. Hmm. He took one for the family. He was tireless worker. You know, he carried carried us on his back. Uh, never quit on any of his kids or hmm. his family. Just, uh, you know, like a rhino, little ears and big horn. Keep wow. his head down and go at it. Uh, I just always respected that. I've that's I've never heard that like a rhino, mm. little ears and big horn. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and man, grandfather that was a Mar- three wars. Goodness three gracious, wars. Korean War, Vietnam, and World War Two. That's uh, wow, wow. Not 30. in that order. For right. <laughs> non-historians on the other side. Right. If we could get comments on this podcast right now, somebody's going. Oh wait, I don't think yeah. that was correct. Yeah. Yes, but that's that's a I, you know I'm kind of the same way I'm I'm more or less a blend of you two guys. Um, you know my dad was is still my absolute hero. Um, my dad absolutely loved Elvis, and my dad was a singer, worship leader, and he is always singing Elvis around the house. And I and I thought, man, my dad's the coolest thing ever. And I watched him, you know, do construction work. He was so good with his hands, and and I wasn't, but he was he was relatively patient with me. I mean, you know, he's like, come on, son, we do have to get the job done um, at some point. But yeah, just watching him uh, and and the things that he taught me like intentionally and the things that he taught me unintentionally. Honestly, many of those I didn't realize until I was in my early 20s and out of the Marine Corps and, and called into ministry. And then I was like, oh gosh, these are the things my dad actually did. And these are the things that my grandfather actually did. 
But it's amazing how your your perspective does change. Obviously, mm-hmm. the older you get, yeah. and then when you get a family, a wife e- even, right? You you're like, okay, well, my wife can do some of the things that I'm already doing now, like physically, even financially. So what sets me apart from her? And then you really begin to realize it's understanding the spiritual environment is what she's craving for, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, what, what thoughts and impressions do you have about being a man now, and what influences you now? Like, what do you do to, to even grow as a man? And have any of those impressions changed? So those things made impressions on you when you were younger uh, and even now at your age, but what impressions do you have? And, Jacob, you sort of hinted at that, right? It's, yeah. it's becoming and growing more um, in the area of, of being a spiritual man. But any any other comment on that? Like, what influences you now, like, versus then, and, and how do you grow yourself as a man? Hmm. Anybody who wants to go, you can chime in. Well, I mean, contrasting. Um, hmm. I didn't, like, have the best spiritual man, like, leader when I was younger, like my dad. He um, he wasn't exactly there spiritually. So right. um, my parents, uh, for those who uh, don't know, my parents got divorced when I was like nine so Mm. um and for a lot of different reasons but i mean he's always been there supportive but i'm not exactly on the like spiritual side of things so um i would say now um just kind of from seeing a lot of good dads including you Mm. um pastor ron that you are just a really solid uh, man and just like i said this the spiritual aspect is probably much what i didn't have when i was younger so um, just being able to emphasize that and um, kind of see where that goes and how big like of a difference that makes now wow. is really important. So. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Rod, any other thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, mine is, you know, way different. I kind of came out of childhood, you know, thinking I had to be a conqueror, you know, like yeah. I had to go, you know, make – make uh, the land fruitful, you know, lay all the path down and pave roads. And it was all on my back. And, you know, what I've learned is, you know, humility. Right. Um, you're not in control. Yeah. And so, you know, my, my focus was really, uh, you know, my concept of being a man is really changed having children, you know, mm. for 10 years. And, realizing that not only am, do I need to teach them the right way and not don't they need to see the fear of God in me they need to see me be humble before God they need to see me uh not have all the answers right. and kind of be reliant which yes. is not easy for my personality but, oh funny uh, you know. yeah. yeah yeah no I get that oh I get that and that's what I meant I think it it, it, it evolves. Um, you know, honestly, people ask all the time, you know, being a dad of three daughters, do you ever wish you had a son? Honestly, no. I mean, um, maybe, maybe there was that thought, right, when you're first pregnant, like, is it a boy or is it a girl? But no, um, because I think I've learned more about guys by having girls than maybe, I don't know, but maybe I would have if I would have only had boys, right? And I, But I think, I mean, here's what I mean by that. The moment you have girls, you want to make sure you're preparing them for the right guy. So then you start looking at what are the qualities of a right guy. Yeah. 
And also, um, you learn how to communicate so differently. Mm. I mean, I was, as a young man, I was just sort of that maverick, but even as a pastor, right? Just whatever horse is unbroken, let me ride that thing, and I'll I'll break it, and let's let's just go, let's just blaze a blaze a trail and find yeah. a path and and get this thing done in ministry. Well, then as we started having girls, I had to learn how to slow down and listen and 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 process emotions and yeah. So I, I learned so much more. My point in all that is, guys, no matter where you find yourself, whether you you're a single man at this point, whether you're listening with your father and you're like 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, um, whether you're Jacob's age, whether you're in your 20s, uh, whether you're like Rodney and I, right, like you're sort of a now sort of an experienced dad, uh, no matter where you find yourself, it's always going to be changing, which brings me to why we're talking about this, okay? So here's the one ingredient. I'm going to read it. You'll probably hear it. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to explain it really quickly. If you're going to be a man of war, there is one essential ingredient that you have to have, and we're still in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, we're going to be here for maybe one or two more episodes, then we're going to get into some um, other things, but we're still developing the idea of what is a man of war, what is a good soldier of Christ. Listen to what he says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace... Intentional pause. Mm -hmm. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's the ingredient. Okay, listen. Oh, my goodness, listen. Grace is not just for ballerinas. Grace is not just so you walk smoothly and you don't trip and fall and make a fool of yourself. Grace is not just for women, and grace is not a woman's name only. Okay? Grace is an active tool that God is using in your life as a follower of Christ to make you more like Him. Now, that grace is specific as well as it is generic, if you know what I mean, right? But it's very specific in your life and your walk of how God needs to use that to strengthen you and mold you. So here's a question I want to answer. What are the disciplines? What does a strong man of God look like? Now, when when Paul calls Timothy here to be strong, strong means inwardly strengthened. In other words, suggesting, listen, guys, strength in soul and purpose. Now, Rodney, I don't know if this is this way for you um, or not. And Jacob, maybe you, you as well. Now, I'm going to use the analogy of the Marine Corps for Rodney and I, but you were an athlete. You were a runner. Um, you've probably seen this. Did you ever look at guys in certain things, like say the Marine Corps, or running, and you you just kind of size them up on the outside, and you're like, oh, they're, they're going to outrun me, or oh, they're going to perform better. And then come to find out it was sometimes the opposite, like the guy that you didn't think would outperform you did. Like for instance, when we were in the Marine Corps, the big football jocks came in, right? And everybody you kind of they're they're big and buff and strong. But nine times out of ten, they got beat by the little guy the climbing guy. the rope. The lean guy climbing the rope, going over the the, the obstacle course. And yeah. our our man our uh what's it called? Um best man, not best man. Com- the company honor graduate. Yeah, that I couldn't think of that. The honor grad. In our company and in other companies, it was always a small lean guy, not the big football jock. And as a matter of fact, the big football jocks, for the most part, got left behind. Now, they could lift weights. They could do push-ups, yeah. those things. My point is this right here, okay? The, when he calls men to be strong, he's suggesting strength in soul and purpose. 
Guys, we can ha- we can be financially strong. We can be physically strong. We can have the coolest looking truck, the coolest looking car. We can have awesome tools and, and toys and all that. But if we're not strong in the soul and in purpose, we're actually weak spiritually. Mm. Now, grace is that tool that Paul uses. He tells them to be to be strong and brave in Joshua chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're, we're told to be strengthened in the Lord. Again, he goes on to describe in Ephesians 6, why? Because we're fighting principalities. We're fighting things of the air. We're, 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 don't... We're fighting those things that which can't be seen. Well, what 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 battles that? The grace of God in my life, as the grace of God strengthens me. So, how the question then becomes: How do I become a strong man of God? All right, let me just rattle some of these things off. All right, how does a man become a strong man of God? Number one, a man of God relies absolutely on God's grace. Verse one: See you, see then, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now listen, this word strong is is um is passive, indicating that the source of Timothy's strength was not in himself, but in the grace of Jesus Christ, all right? So the another version translates it this way, take strength from the grace of God which is in Christ Jesus. Again, Ephesians 6 says it this way, finally be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power, clothe yourselves with the full armor. Mm. Paul confesses this is my first sermon that I ever preached, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. Paul confesses my grace is enough for you. Listen, my power is made perfect in weakness. Here's what we know. All right, guys, listen. What is the one essential element you're going to need to be a man of war? It's the grace of God. Now, let me reiterate, grace is not for ballerinas. As a matter of fact, if you submit yourself to allow the grace of God to do its work in your life, you're going to find out where you're weak and where you're strong. Mm. To, To commit yourself to becoming a man of God is probably, without a doubt, the hardest thing I've ever had to do and am still doing. So how do we do this? Here's what we know about grace. Grace, according to the Bible, completes our weaknesses and adds to the strengths needed. Okay? So that's what grace does. Now, here's what we also know about grace. You have to ask for grace every day. James chapter 4 says, give me more grace, basically right? Like you can't just get up and live in the... You can't get up today and live in what was provided yesterday. Mm. That's called stale. It's called old. It's Yesterday's already expiring, if not already expired. So you can't live off of expired faith and expired grace. Yeah. Lamentations 3.23, the Bible says, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. That's good news. Every morning you get up, you got a fresh loaf of bread, right? Fresh loaf. Right. New start. Restart. You got to ask for grace every day. Here's number three, to rely on God's grace. Now, listen, guys, you got to work at it. Mm-hmm. Though the phrase is, be strong, though, though it's passive, it does not suggest, listen, passivity. Mm. Meaning, relying on God is more a matter of the heart than an action. Mm. Oh, my gosh. As guys, we are all about action. If I can get something done, um, and, and Jacob, obviously, you know, if you guys didn't know, that's my son-in-law. So he's 
he the joke was if if boyfriends in our family's life if if a boyfriend could go up and down the mountain twice he was pretty much a shoe in so we would go vacation in the mountains and that was sort of the joke so if they go on vacation with us to the mountains and he comes back down right then all right that's a good thing but if he does it twice then all right he's probably in and it was it was funny like Jake we didn't really know that rule and like Jacob was the first one to kind of make up that rule right cuz he was he he dated and is married to my first daughter. And so remember that, Jacob? Yeah. We would take guys on vacation, and we'd look at each other like, wonder if he's going to make it back down the mountain. And a few didn't. Right, a few didn't for but, other daughters. Yeah, but it was cool to kind of watch and see. Did like, you leave them there? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. No names mentioned. <laughs> no, but yeah, that was really funny to see. Right. Who would make it? Who wouldn't? And that that that's that's the work of grace. Like you have to put work into your marriage. You have to put work into relationships. And that's mm. what we kind of meant by going up the mountain. Like, are they there just on vacation? Yeah. Are they really there to demonstrate like I'm in this relationship? And that's sort of what we what we meant by that. Yeah, it's not like that, you know, I got a 45 and a shovel and nobody'll miss you if you're gone, kind of a thing. It's not that, <laughs> right? No, but but you gotta work. Okay, listen, some some people, some men trust God, but they don't work at their faith. Yeah. Others work at their faith, but they don't trust God. Mm-hmm. That that's that's an imbalance. You have to learn how to balance the two. And guys, that's hard. That that is so hard to learn how to, that's why grace is a hard tool, but a necessary tool in your life. Now, here I'm gonna go ahead and give you now what I hope is where front sight gets to, and maybe, can I say ends up? I don't know, but this is a goal of front sight. The Bible tells Timothy here that he is to entrust what he heard from Paul, entrust what he heard to faithful men who will teach that to others as well. Now, here's what's so funny about this. Um, I got a text, I don't know, about an hour before we started recording. I have not heard from this individual in probably five years. And obviously, they don't know what we're about to podcast, and they have no idea what we're about to say. And let me find my phone so I can just read you the text. Here's here's what the text said this morning. It said, hey, pastor, today I took a young man I am training to be a pastor on his first hospital visit. And I couldn't help but think about how intentional you were in training me. The filters and what you taught me are now what I am passing on to him. Mm. Wow. Like, I couldn't script that text, right? But Because this is exactly what we're teaching about. He goes, I am thankful for how you taught me and your many hours of investment. It was a full circle moment that the Holy Spirit reminded me. But my point in all that was what he said. He, he took what was taught to him, and he passed it on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, listen up, right? Listen up. I want you to listen, listen, listen right now. The hope of Front Sight is not for you to just get more information. You can get this stuff. We're podcasting anywhere. You can Google, you can Google these topics. That's not what we want. My hope is this right here, that men would be so changed by what was taught to them from the Word of God, and the grace of God is so effective in their lives that they would then begin to teach other men, your sons, your daughters, your your wives, 
but find other men, like pour into them. That's how this thing happens, right? My prayer is that we that that front sight raises up godly men who are teaching other godly men. Mm. When he says entrust, that word entrust, it's it's carrying the idea of depositing something valuable into somebody for safekeeping so they can then give it away. In my office right now, I have three black leather Bibles, and each one of those Bibles represents 10 years of preaching, and I'm going to give one to each daughter. So I've been preaching now 33, 34 years, and so I'm giving one of those Bibles away to each of my daughters. In my house are certain things like knives and guns and so that I'm setting aside. I'm, I'm, I'm already starting to buy like a knife uh, for my first grandson, Benjamin, right? And, and I'll buy things like that for my other grandchildren. My point is this. We're good at, at things like that, things on our shelves and knives and trinkets and so forth. But what are you passing on to your children, to other men right now that'll live on beyond you and not just a weapon and not just a token and not just a shirt or a hat or boots? Are you literally passing on to them the grace of God, the one thing they're going to need the most of in life? And I'm telling you, that is the aim of front sight. Now, here's the question. He does tell us in this text what type of people he is called to share God's word with. And it says faithful people. Now, this is coming up in future podcasts. How do you find those faithful people in your life? How do you develop... All right, so here's what we know about your friends in your life, the guys that you hang out at work. Those friends, all right, here's a good way to say it. Here's a good chance. If five of your friends got drunk on Friday night, you probably did too because that's who you hang out with, Mm. right? So those probably aren't faithful friends. So you may have to start finding new friends. Um, You're supposed to be handing this off to faithful men. Remember I said earlier, one of the hardest things right happening right now is to find men full of faith, full of wisdom, and full of spirit. Mm. That is my whole aim. That is my whole goal is to, to help develop men that are faithful so they can pass on. Our world needs faithful men. We need faithful men in the marketplace. We need faithful men holding hands with their wife, walking down the street. Our sons, our daughters need absolutely faithful men. And it has to start with us. And this was Jesus's model. Jesus fed the 5,000. He led the 500. He commissioned, if you will, the 72. He discipled the 12, but he had an inner circle of three. Even Jesus did this. So in short, he fed the 5,000, but he led the 12. Okay? You're going to be around a lot of people. And that's okay. But who is in your life right now that you are actually discipling and they are um, discipling you? So when you're looking for people to disciple, find faithful. Find faithful people in your life. Um, And then you know what you may need to ask? Am I a faithful person? Right? If somebody were looking for faithful men, would somebody choose me? And then go back. Here's what we do. We're almost done. Here's what we do. You say, okay, God, use your grace in my life to mold me and teach me and train me. And guys, I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready. I, I trained for boot camp 
months in advance, and it still kicked my rear end, right? Now, when I joined the Marine Corps, I was ready to fight. I had this poster, and I wish I could find it. I had this poster on my wall at the age of 12 that, that said something like this. There's that one moment in battle where one man makes one decision, and he turns the tide for the entire war. Mm. It's something like that. And I had that poster on my wall, and I thought, I'm going to be that guy one day. I'm going to be that guy. Like, I, I literally lived for war. Like I wanted, I mean, I I wanted, I signed up for the Marine Corps not to sell donuts and not to sing in the band, even though um, there's a good friend of mine who was the drill sergeant major of the Marine Corps band. So nothing against that. But anyway, you know what I mean? I, I signed up to go to war and God called me into ministry. And right after I got out of ministry, we went to Desert Storm and so forth. My buddies were riding me and so forth. And they were like, man, I wish you were here. And there was a moment where I was like, doggone it, I wish I was too. I trained for that. Like, I wanted to go to war. Here's my point. When I went into boot camp, Rodney, maybe like you, I was ready to run, jump, swing, shoot, box, wrestle, whatever. I, I was, But in doing that, I almost missed. Now, listen, guys. I almost missed aspects of boot camp. That were the little things. I went in like, oh, I can run three miles and do this. I can do X amount of push-ups. I can do X amount of sit-ups. I can do this. I can shoot this. I can run this, right? I focused on that. But little did I know about uh, maybe three weeks into the first month, the first phase, that uh, the reason why they did gave you 30 seconds to get dressed. Now, Rodney, did your did your drill instructors count down like this? Here's, oh, yeah. Huh? Do yeah, it. I already know you're going to do it. 12, 7, 3, one zero, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like the first time you do that, you're going, oh wait, wait, you you missed it. You this guy doesn't know how to count. Right. Right. And then after a while, you're like, okay, all right, maybe they're setting me up for failure. Okay, well, that was one of the lessons. But but that the thirty seconds to get dressed, the ten seconds to use the bathroom, and we're talking number one and number two. Like pull your pants, get up, get out, get out, get out. Right. The, the, the 10 seconds to use the bathroom, the trash can wake up at 3 a.m., perfectly timed with the lights coming on, that had a purpose. Mm. My point in all that is this, that 30 seconds to get dressed, 10-second bathroom, the trash can, the lights coming on, that's kind of like the work of grace of God in your life. Mm. It's those little powerful moments that strengthen you in your soul that make you a man of war. Yeah. Remember, any man can do what other men are doing. Rare is the man that can do what is right. Here's my point. What made me strong was not pull-ups. It was cooperating with the process of boot camp, the process of inwardly making me more stronger before they ever tested me with a weapon or a uniform. Mm. They wanted to see how I would respond under pressure. Yeah. In 30 seconds and 10 seconds and 3 a.m. wake-ups. That was the point of that. The grace of God comes in, and it's going to test you in those areas to see how do you how do you work. And like Jacob said, I've, I've learned that being a, a young man is 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 holding the thing steady when, when the pressure's on, that, that constant steady voice. That's the operation of grace in your life. Wow. Bet they never thought that was the essential element, did they? <laughs> right? It's the grace of God. Grace, guys, is the one thing that you're going to need, and it's where he starts. We can't get into the rest of what it means to be a good soldier unless we deal with grace. Woo, that was a lot in that. You know what? I, I, as I was talking about this, I'll maybe 
I was thinking a, a good way to end this. Um, Port side shower up, starboard side shine them up. Oh yeah, yep, shower and shine. There you go. Um, let's just end this. Let's end with a good time, a fun time. Um, maybe the, those listening can get a little bit more knowledge about who we are. Tell me about a time, and it can be either one, either like an embarrassing shooty, shooting or hunting moment, or memorable um, hunting or or shooting moment. Do you, you guys have any kind of funny stories, embarrassing stories, cool stories? Um, Jacob, I, we kind of always start with you, I guess, yeah. over here. Do you do you you have something to share? I, yeah, I sure do. I mean, it's it's more of like who I brought with um, <laughs> someone to the range. Like nice. we we went with a group of guys. Um, and we never been to this range before, but we heard about it. Um, so we went shooting. I brought uh, a couple of my guns. Um, a couple of my friends brought some. But um, there's one that like he's never really been shooting before. Oh, boy. And um, this range, it was more of like it's a public, unsupervised range where it's just a table and targets, and you just come up. Anyone else can come up and, and shoot. And um, we went out, and we were shooting for just a little bit, but um, you kind of have to agree with everyone. Like, okay, we're going cold range. All right, we're going cold range. We're step away from the guns. Uh, make sure they're clear, all that kind of stuff. And we go down range. Um, but I guess I left the the newer guy with another guy of, of my friends, but I guess there he was talking to another friend. So this he wasn't really going to end well. Yeah, no. He, he, but long story short, there was other guys <laughs> there. And um, oh, he, man. like we, me and my other friend went down and were changing the targets. And all of a sudden I just hear this guy, guy that I don't know yelling at my one friend i'm oh, like no. what what in the world's happening apparently he went up during a cold range and this guy was literally like four feet in front of the guns and he went and grabbed the guns like took and like w- was messing with it trying to like move it and this guy got really oh. upset um but <laughs> i had to go back and just explain everything like okay this guy doesn't know what he was doing he didn't think guns are supposed to be pointing at people but this is on you man <laughs> Long story short, we won't be going to back to that range, but (laughs) at least it was a memorable experience and, um, it was, it was fun overall, but, um, yeah, I like to go to ranges where there's not as crazy people there because there, there, there's people there with like full auto AKs going crazy and it just wasn't super safe, but that wasn't, you know, people, if you've ever, if you've ever had that happen to you, whether you were with somebody that was called down at the range or you were called down at the range, that's a super embarrassing moment. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) how did this happen? That's rough. Rodney, you got anything for us as you close out? Yeah. The, the Jacob's word embarrassment actually rung a bell for me. I was trying to, I had kind of an acquaintance in when I lived in Texas who had a big piece of property Former Marine had his own outdoor range, and he, this guy like built a berm, you know, just right. just like the rifle range at, at at PI, and you know he you could hoist targets had a had a you know uh, place to sit back there and pull up targets you know, targets legit. all targets. So I I brought a guy to the range. It took me forever to be able to get out there. So I get out there and. The first time we ever go down there, this guy keeps tagging the two by fours that are hoisting up the. Oh, so he oh. he shoots out one of the two by fours, and so the target is disabled. So there's only one more target. We go to the other target, and <laughs> he shoots that one out. You're like what? So needless to say, I never got invited back again. <laughs> 
after that. <laughs> Let's keep that theme. That you know, uh, I didn't know I was going to share this one, but uh, so we were uh, with the Southwestern Theological Baptist Theological Seminary, and a friend of mine, Todd Smith, uh, he he and I um, were not brothers, but he's from South Carolina, North Carolina, and um, we go to college together. We go to Texas the same time together. We're roommates. And we're both into hunting, hunting and fishing. And so he's like, dude, let's go dove hunting. And I'm like, awesome. I've never been dove hunting in Texas. Let's go. So he invites a friend. And I'm not really being mean, but I do have to paint the picture of this, right? So this guy's, he was almost like permanently cross-eyed. I mean, like both eyes were really close together. Like I'm not being <laughs> mean when I say that, but so I was already a little worried. I really was. And so we're out there in this field that's that's new. Like it's not your typical North Carolina, South Carolina, like cut cornfield with millet kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. And it was just a different field, but that's where they went um, dove hunting. And so we're not seeing doves at all. And I'm like, man, this is a waste. Like I'm, you know, I'm so. But we're hearing boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, who in the heck is shooting? Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, dad gum. Like they're they're shooting three and then loading fast. All of a sudden, it was this guy, and he's like, man, I've already got like 26 birds, and we're going, uh, we nobody has seen a dove in this entire field. Because he shot them all. <laughs> well, okay, well, kind of. I call them chimney sweeps. You know those really fast, small little birds? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was knocking them things out of the sky. He thought they were doves. I've never been able to hit one in my life, so I think his eyesight gave him an advantage. He dialed in, man. He was knocking those. He came back with 26 chimney sweeps, and we're like, "Uh, those aren't doves, right? And to make it even more fun, the next day we show up for class, he had never heard of chiggers. And so apparently where he was shooting – he got all in them, and they got all in him, yeah. and it was not a good. Oh, so, man. man, embarrassing friend <laughs> stories, right? You kind of learn what not to do with friends. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Thank you guys for listening in. So here's where we are. We have finished up episode two. What it means to be a man of war, and uh, stay tuned. We got some more episodes coming. We're going to continue this talk in front sight on Second Timothy chapter two. Thank you so very much for being a part of front sight. We'll see you guys in a few days, few hours, few weeks, whatever it may be. Stay tuned, listen, stay strong.